You're joking. Not another one? Like I said, Villa's a big club, so when you're in a big club, you, ha you need a big goalie. Hello everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Not Another Villa podcast. I'm Dom Phillips, I'm one of the two co-hosts, with me is Liam Bryan. Liam, we're doing a new podcast, we've worked together before, this is exciting. How are you feeling and how are you doing, man? It's been too long. I'm tired, to be honest. Like I, say, <laughs> I, I finished A-levels ages ago, so I know that you should be going, oh, you've got all the time to relax, but no, my sleep and everything's off the scale. But no, no I'm just delighted to be in conversation with you, especially after... I mean, at the time of recording today's announcement regarding the Conference League draw, yeah, the yeah, Burnian yeah. or this team, which I know you just said to me five seconds ago, but I've completely what, Lucerne, the Lucerne. Lucerne, there you go, Lucerne, my memory's terrible. <laughs> like a goldfish. Results. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I, would, I wouldn't keep an eye out uh, for your eye-level results. <laughs> oh, no, like, oh, oh, great. No, but um, no, it's exciting times, to be honest. I don't know why I'm tired, but exciting times regarding Villa, and it's nice to have a conversation with you about... What has been a, a really nice pre-season, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like last time we were doing podcasting is when things weren't as good at Villa or things that things were good because I guess we had like Jack Grealish, Dean Smith, and we loved that. But like the level of excitement and the level of like the elite pedigree that we sort of have at the club and the expectation, the achievement and the things that have happened. I think we haven't done a podcast. We, did, we didn't even do anything during the Gerrard time. So like there's a lot, a lot has happened. So but, I think. That'd be a depressing listen, wouldn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, we could have started up and gone, why are we bothering doing this? You know, <laughs> there's no better time to be podcasting now than when Villa are on the up because, you know, it gives us more of a chance to sort of promote the club and that. And I mean, I guess that talks into, you know, I guess we should introduce ourselves in a minute. But first of all, maybe it's wise to talk about like sort of what makes us do this podcast because, you know, there's a specific reason to why we're doing this. And I mean, I don't mind going first on this because I reached out to you about this. I, you know, I don't mind putting that out there. I think we're both... Me and you are both, obviously, people know that we're quite young. You know, you've said you just finished your A-levels. I've just finished my degree. And it's an interesting time for fan media because there's an increasing blur between a lot of those old fan media people, especially in Villa Circles. A lot of those old fan media people are now in mainstream media jobs and do, all doing amazing jobs. And there's lots of other podcasts that are popping up. And it is a very convoluted space. But I think what we're trying to do with the Not Another Villa podcast is, I don't know how you describe this, but sort of like marketing it in a different way as like two younger guys um, try and promote the content in different ways and try and see what kinds of different content we can do, you know, focusing more on shorter clips that we could share around as opposed to sort of these big long podcasts, which we're still going to do. But I, instead of it just being the content being lean, I want to cover specific topics like today's topic about talking about, you know, Unai Emery being a defensive manager and then talking more generally about that. You know, I want to try and push the boundaries of what fan media content tried to do it's obviously the very early stage of that but i think we're going in a very exciting direction and we're just going to play it by ear i mean what, what would you say about that liam about like what we're trying to do here no for sure i mean when i got all this set up for today's recording like my microphone had like cobwebs all over it it's been it's been a long really? time since I've done, I've done one of these yeah so no it's exciting and like i said there's a lot of villa podcasts and stuff out there which is a good thing because there's a lot of passionate people finding platforms for themselves to use and create in order to talk about the club they love and mm -hmm. that creates a nice atmosphere especially at times like these when Unai is pulling his all the strings in terms of creating a all the fabulous villa times all the strings and more in terms of you know beating Valencia Lazio and having this fantastic period that we're on and hoping that continues into the new season but no there's a lot of really talented content creators who like mm -hmm. you said have got into the mainstream and we hope to follow suit and find our niche somewhere along the line in terms of yeah. creating this podcast and 
I like the thought of today in terms of going through analog, analy- if I can say the word, analytical <laughs> yeah. conversation regarding Unai Emery and his tactics and whether he is defensive or offensive and just exploring that. And it's just a platform and a medium for us to just talk and talk yeah. and hone our craft and use all these big Oxford words that you're using, you know. Oh, don't. That's an early mention. <laughs> it's an early mention from you. It's an early but, mention. Uh, Mr. Oxford over here now. Oh, got, it's, it's an achievement. It's an achievement. You go, you've, got, you've got to celebrate it. Like I've just failed three driving tests. So I know. failed four, mate. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. That's all, all from a few years ago now. But yeah, that, that's that's a, that's a fact I didn't necessarily want aired in public. But, you know, here we are. Uh, I, I volunteered that. Yeah, uh, but, you know, we, we, alluded, we alluded to ourselves a little bit there. You know, Liam, you know, as you said, one of the things we want to do here is sort of promote ourselves and we want to create good content for you guys, but obviously part of this as young people is building up our portfolio and making our ways into the world. You know, how, you know what, who are you, Liam? Liam Bryan, introduce yourself. What's your background, you know, in, in media? Like, what, what are your hopes? Like, what are you like? What are you like as a person? Put me on the spot here. Um, yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> I, no, um, I just, you know, I think medium, uh, media and exploring different mediums regarding media in terms of like podcast and writing and video content, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. And I think the last few years I've trialed a lot of those in terms of like I did the uh, fan cams of Villa View and then I did a writing for different websites. And I think that my favourite medium is doing these podcasts and basically having a broad topic to discuss about but not necessarily like you've got to say this and this and this mm-hmm. there's obviously a line and there's these lines in which we have to talk within but there's no specific conversation we have like a topic in terms of Unai Emery and his tactics but we can explore it in whatever way possible and it's a spontaneous conversations these spontaneous mm-hmm. conversations that I like and that's what makes it you know also it, it, it's free it's a free conversation there's no restriction that's what i like and that's what i want to explore now within this so yeah i've tried a load of things and doing this with you hopefully will be the best of the bunch in terms of like us honing our craft and creating some good content out of it yeah no that i I agree completely you know if i was if i was to speak for myself like i i also agree with what you said about podcasts like if you're writing a football article i write articles i have a substack which is on my twitter at don phillips02 in the bio you should check out i only did a couple of articles but it's just when things come up i like to write about and then i'll write about them but i think with articles you have to be quite restricted in terms of you have what you want to say and it, it follows a formula whereas with a podcast i like the openness of a conversation and it's the same with video content i feel with video content in general which is something i feel is more my specialty it's more of a of a discussion, of a of a putting yourself across and talking freely, writing. I think you can create a more beautiful product in some ways, a more honed and sleek finality of a design. But then with a podcast, it's just free discussion. And I'm just conscious of the phrase finality of a design is early, Mr. Oxford. Early yeah, projection. But yeah, I'll, no, I'll, I'll clear that up. So yeah, you know, I've done podcast uh, content for a while now. So I used to write a little bit. We both worked with fans on such as Heart of the Holt. So shout out to them. They're great. Did a little bit with Premier League Productions once as well, which was sick. I predicted last season on a Premier League Productions video that we would finish 8th in the Premier League. Which turned out to be a really good prediction for all the wrong reasons. So I'm still going to claim it. Um, And then, as Liam alluded to, I went to university and sort of my content output slowed down, focused on doing my degree. And sort of came out of doing that with a bit of experience commentating on varsity games and stuff like that. 
Um, I mean, football commentary is something I love. I love commentating matches. You really should get into that. That's really fun. As you say, at our age, it's about trying different things, honing it. And that's sort of what this podcast is. It's about honing it down, finding the niche, creating good content along the way. And hopefully you guys enjoy what we're able to come out with. So without further ado, as you get into the meat of the podcast, hope we haven't bored you all to death already. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the content of the episode, obviously, the, the general premise is talking about well, there's a lot of talk in the media, and there has been over the course of Emery's career, and I think it's particularly salient for us now because Emery's obviously our manager and we're succeeding, and there's all the summer chat that comes before a new season, especially when expectations are high, now they're in Europe, but, you know, there's talk about Unai Emery being a defensive manager. I've got, you know, there's a there's a Twitter account called EBL2017 who, who makes some really good analytical content, but, you know, there's a tweet here from EBL2017 saying, under Emery, Aston Villa are too defensive, the players are too concerned about what's behind them, off the ball, they're not pressing, they're sitting back in. Then there's an odd Arsenal fan tweet saying, we're struggling to beat Mid-Table at home, Ian Emery's too defensive-minded, but playing boring football. And I don't want to downplay the experiences of Arsenal fans, because obviously it's a different club, it's a different team, it's a different time, than we weren't watching Ian Emery's Arsenal the same way that we watch Ian Emery's Aston Villa. But it got me thinking about sort of, you know, is, is Unai Emery defensive? And if so, what do we mean by a defensive manager? I don't know, there's a lot of talking points here. Um, I think a good way into this is just to ask the brutal question off the bat, Liam. Would you say Unai Emery, in based of your understanding of what you would classify as a defensive manager, would you say he is a defensive manager? I was not saying whether he's a good or a bad manager. That's a, For me, that's a separate debate. We'll get into that. Would you say he's a defensive manager? No, but yes. And what I'm going to say about that is, well, yes, in terms of there's like a a reckless, tenacious element to Uno Emery's team. You addressed that tweet there and saying that Villa don't press. They certainly do off the ball. I mean, you look at oppositions when they're in possession and you see the likes of McGinn, you see the likes of the two CDMs in Kamara and Louise mm-hmm. pressing down the play, getting it in those central areas and finding those central half spaces to like feed that ball in into a Watkins or a winger. So that's ridiculous in my opinion. We'll address yeah. that further more in terms of the episode. But look, he is defensive in terms of having those strong structures, in terms of having those two CDMs and two centre-backs who are really at the heart of the play, in terms of you know delivering balls into further areas down the pitch, the wingers and the strikers. And there's a, like I said, there's a certain recklessness to Villa's play. But they certainly aren't defensive. I don't think you can label them as defensive. What they are is, you know, they're more than that. They're more nuanced than that. They have certain attacking elements to the play, but they can also, you know, they can change regarding the situation that they're playing in. So, you know, they have at some points in pre-season, we've seen Torres at left back and then Cash at mm-hmm. right back. So Torres will stay back on an attack and then Matty Cash will bomb down the right-hand side. And then vice versa, we'll get Dinier like, down the left-hand side. And then, you know, uh, Chambers potentially in pre-season that we've seen come back and mm-hmm. play as the three centre-backs in defence. There's different ways he likes to play. And that's such a change from Gerard where we literally had no tactical understanding whatsoever so I wouldn't label this as defensive at all but there are defensive elements to his play I mean you look at Buendia and Ramsey last season in terms of their defensive stats as attackers Ramsey had 2.36 tackles per 90 last Mm -hmm. season as a whole that's not seen a lot in terms of attackers so he really coaches into these players these attacking players that you've got to get the ball first you've got to you know press them down don't be lazy get that ball and feed it into you know another attacking player and let's quickly go on that counter-attack and score goals. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a balance, isn't it? All teams have a balance between attack and defence and how much they prioritise that. 
And I think I think something that's important to bring in early doors is what we define did not just being defensive but also defending as because there's this really good book um zonal marking by michael cox it's like a um, football history book that i was reading and that talks about having in, in some circles and by himself by some of his assistants pep guardiola who you can't argue is a very attack-minded manager some would say he regards himself as the most defensive manager of all time and some people would say well how does that work well because Having the ball is the best way of stopping the opponent from not scoring. And also, when you're talking about Buendia and Ramsey and Kamara Ruiz and the forwards pressing here, you know, the idea that Emery sits off is being too... Emery sitting off is being too defensive. In contrast, you could argue that pressing really, really high and really frenetically to win the ball back, for some people, that is their form of defending, right? Like a lot of these German coaches with the philosophy of Gegenpress, or whatever you want to call it, the best way the best way to defend is to press high because you're stopping the ball from easily reaching those attacking areas so what i'm saying i'm not saying how uno relates to that um, immediately i'm saying that there are a lot of ways in which you can define being defensive because some people would say I think it's a, basically what i'm getting at is i think it's a bit of a ridiculous term because some people defend different managers defend in different ways different managers are different on the ball and off the ball in the way that their team's set up. And I think it's a little bit reductive to just label someone as defensive when, you know, we can do the, the classic the classic definition with Unai Emery would be, well, he wants his team to play a lot of possession, therefore how can you describe that as defensive because he's not playing on the counter-attack. But then you wouldn't necessarily argue that the Jose Mourinho of 15 years ago would be too defensive either. So it's a really difficult conversation to get into and... I think another one is, you know, has he ever had that top job with top players in the top project? I'm not sure. I don't know, Liam, what, what do you think about that? Like, every It's difficult to judge someone like Unai Emery because when he's been at the Arsenal and the PSG jobs, I would argue that the PSG job has produced, had a lot of managers not do very well there on paper, such as Thomas Tuchel. And I think Mauricio Pochettino this season ahead at Chelsea, who have then gone on to do big things elsewhere. Um, Arsenal. I know that he didn't do a good job at Arsenal. I've, I've got a lot of Arsenal fans who, when I've said that to them, how good he is, they're like, ah, no, no, no. But I don't think anyone was going to fill Wenger's shoes. The recruitment at the time was a bit of a mess. He didn't make that. He didn't help himself, and he's, you know, sometimes I think it was a little bit too soon for him. But I don't think it was the right team either. So, do different managers? You know, you speak about different managers, especially I watched Carl Roberts on a podcast saying how the the style of football you play depends on the players that you have. So where does Unai Emery fit into that for you? Like It depends what, what jobs he's had, right? And it also depends on how he sees defending and what he defines being defensive as. I don't think, I don't think any manager sees themselves as defensive. In terms of analysing, firstly, Emery's career as a manager on the whole, in terms of his... I wouldn't call them failures because he still won bits and pieces and won a lot of games. And oh, was... yeah successful in developing players at Arsenal and PSG. But you're going into an environment there, especially Arsenal after Wenger, where that man's been in charge for so long that to change that culture immediately and start winning again immediately, because let's face it, Emery has a completely different style of play to Wenger. And to get that on on board in terms of the players on board, in terms of playing that way, immediately to start winning games, you can't do that. It's going to take time. So it's hard in that environment, especially when... The fan base is quite toxic and they're wanting that success immediately. He needs that time. 
But if you come to a Villa or a Villarreal, where we're not used to, let's face it, winning a lot of games in terms of mm-hmm. the Gerrard and I mean Bruce and go as far back as you want in terms of our careers as being Aston Villa fans, it hasn't been a successful time. So coming into that environment, there's less pressure. So therefore, he's given more time to develop that style of play and whether you call it defensive or attacking, it's not. It's more complex than that. There's so different. There's so many different elements to it. Like I said before to his style of play that you can label defensive offensive but the most important thing is he's given that time at Villa to really develop that over what last season coming in but now has a full pre-season with a few new additions in terms of Torres and Diaby that can really help to push that forward in terms of that style of play where you've got Torres who will be that strong structure like I mentioned in terms of like him Mings Konza and they'll rotate in terms of one can play on the left and then you know cash bombs down the right uh, they can feed balls into the RB mm-hmm. and it's it's all linking up nicely together. So I'm grateful that he's, you know, there's a certain element of, there's a certain section of Villa fans who, when he started to play that possession style, which you could argue isn't defensive, were a bit like nervous and going, oh, I don't like this. See, we would give the ball away because we're so used to under Gerrard that happening because there's been no, you know, no tactics at all, full stop. So, you know, I think I'm grateful he's had that time but in terms of the whole conversation today, in terms of labelling as defensive or offensive, it's neither. It's so much more complex than that. And Agreed. I think, yeah, I'm grateful he has that time to explore that at Villa. Yeah, it's a bit of a reductive way of, of looking at someone in terms of how how we label them as a man. I, I, I talked in the introduction about how media affects these things. You know, you know, talk, portray... If, you, if enough people say, oh, he's too defensive, then... That's, that becomes the accepted view. I mean, take Eddie Howe at Newcastle. I think early on there was... A, you might People might re- remember this differently, but early on there was a lot of doubts about how he was going to set up the team. While he was always a modern manager at Bournemouth in a lot of ways, he was never the, I don't know, a Mikel Arteta in terms of how he set up his team to play or a Roberto De Zerbi. He's obviously, since he went on his hiatus and stuff and came back, he's adopted more of these different influences. But I think there was still a lot of doubts and a lot of that. And then suddenly when Newcastle have some success, it becomes Eddie Howe's genius manager. And yet for Emery, I think it's, I don't know if it's, if it's a hangover from the Arsenal stuff, where as you say, it's a lot of exception. That's how he's seen. I mean, so like, what, what do we define as a defensive manager? Then? Let's, take a, let's take the example, a very popular example as to why Emery might be defensive right is the as we've talked about before the not always just pressing maniacally for 90 minutes but which first of all is pretty much scientifically impossible not least of all when you consider the fixture congestion and the new added time rules and they're really interested to talk about that as well you know Liverpool don't no one really plays like that it's a it's a bit of a myth to an extent I think a pop a popular a popular section obviously in terms of the pressing stats were not near the highest in the league but equally I don't think that's the way that we always try and play. Um, I think I think the team that do this as well is Roberto De Zerbi's Brighton. And it's the way that... It's not always about pressing very high. Sometimes it's about letting the opponent step out, bring you in, then you win, back, win the ball back a little bit deeper and then you have space to play behind, right? I feel like that's something that Villa have exploited before under Emery um, with fast transitional play and team goals won on the scored on the break with... You know, players like Moreno and Ramsey carrying the ball, um, Watkins as well. So I don't know. It's 
is that defensive to you or is that just a different way of trying to score goals I, I, but then again I guess you can take this argument the whole way of is sitting in with a 5-3-2 on the edge of your own penalty box the same thing a different way of trying to score goals or is it all about balance as you might have said earlier the best way I could describe Unai Emery's style of play at Aston Villa is like a jack-in-the-box yeah he's there he's waiting there and that's a good analogy they start, they sit back, they're waiting, the timing's key here, and they start, and you know, you're not expecting it, you're not expecting it, and bam, like they come at you, they're pressing you down, and then runners are there waiting in the central half spaces, and they feed it through, and it's a one two, or it's just one man by himself in terms of Watkins who makes it by himself, and he scores. So I think that's the best analogy to describe Emery's play. But if you look at what a defensive manager is, I would say one point to that is. There's a large emphasis on dominating central areas. Like I said, so CDMs are placed with great importance in terms of winning the ball back and being that spine of a team. So therefore allowing the wingers and the strikers to go forth and, you know, score goals. Like, again, it goes back to the same point every time in terms of what I'm saying. There's certain elements of Emery's play that are defensive and certain elements that are not. There's a directness to Villa's play in terms of, yeah, when they win the ball back, they're specifically told to make those through balls and, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, be more concise centrally and then go forth and go more wide so they're definitely it's it's, it's so complex this conversation you can go it as is, far yeah. as you want but in terms of going back again to the title he isn't really defensive but adopts some elements to that and one of those being the dominating the central areas and that's why I'm so grateful we've got the additions of Kamara and Louise and Kamara was a free, free as well no transfer he was to, so to good. his name He's amazing. And so good against Valencia as well. I don't know if you watched that game. But like in that first no, half especially. Uh, what what I love about this team now, I'm sorry, we're getting sidetracked for a sec, but like before when we would defend it, it would just be like, you know, physical players heading the ball out of the box, blocks, clearances, you know. But now, you know, we, we defend in a more continental way in the way that we play teams offside and the 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 what impressed me players like Kamara and I think Pau Torres as well in the even in the early stages, just how intelligent they are. In terms of the runs that they make, the positions that they take up, the awareness that they have to sniff out danger, know where the end is going to come from, and preventing the shot before it's already taken, you have to block it, or preventing the cross before you have to win the aerial duel for it. It's just it's a different team to what we're used to as Villa fans in it, because even our great teams, O'Neill's team was brilliant, but that was a very physical counter-attacking side, wasn't it? And played some really good scintillating football, obviously. But we just have a kind of continental edge to us now that I don't think we've ever had. And this is the, this links back, I think, in terms of the continental influences on how we play. I think people talk about defending and attacking, but I want to bring in a different word to the debate. And I want to say how you feel about this, right? And that word is control. I think Unai Emery references this all the time in his press conferences. Um, you know, and, it's, and I, I alluded to it earlier in terms of how you see the game. Is control the best way to defend and the best way to attack? So is it defensive or attacking? Are we drawing a false binary here? I mean, Emery talks about wanting to control games and death by a thousand cuts in some ways. Sometimes we go on the transition, sometimes we want to get to the byline and then just cut it back. What do you, what do you think about how control fits into this debate? And is that maybe a more useful way of thinking about this? Emery is a manager who's obsessed with control for me in a lot of ways, especially in those home games. What would you say? I mean, let's go back... And I know that we've added a few signings and we've tried out a few things during pre-season, but let's go back to that Brighton game at home mm-hmm. and securing that Europa Conference League position. I think in terms of control, and that was shown in this game, bear in mind Villa had 
40% possession, Brighton had 60% possession. Yeah. Control doesn't mean you have to have the ball. Exactly. Control can mean, in my opinion, that you can restrict where Brighton go. And that's what Villa did. I mean, you look at the XG, Villa had 2.85, Brighton 1.35. Villa limited the amount of space that Brighton could have. And if you go back and make this conversation more simple, it's all about space, in my opinion, and how we exploit mm-hmm. that. And I think Villa are so more competent than other teams in the league, and scaringly so, at creating that space. And that doesn't mean, you know, waiting for that Brighton team or any opposition team to be in a position where they can go, right, we can go now. But that can mean, for example, Watkins be on the wide, like Henri, you know, on the wide areas of play, get that ball run into the more central areas and therefore unleash that DRB and Bailey and Buendia in terms of having then that space on the, on the width. So control really doesn't necessarily mean having possession, but can mean limiting the opposition in terms of how they play. So, yeah, I would say control in multiple ways is at the forefront of Emery's plans, really. Yeah, agreed. I, th- I think you used the perfect example with the Brighton game as well, because you can talk about the Newcastle game where we dominated them in every sense, but I still think the football that we played in that game was often really fast and transitional. And the Brighton game as well, as you say, only 40 to 60% possession. It's exactly what you said in terms of sometimes you control the ball off, you control the game off the ball by restricting them from going into dangerous places because. I know that Brighton accrued some XG and had a couple of chances where they really could have scored and like a disallowed goal or two. But for large parts of the game, you could argue they're on the beach, but they weren't doing anything with the ball. And I think a lot of that goes down to Emery's approach off the ball. You know, it's not just about winning the ball back as quickly as you can to look flashy for the cameras. It's about how can we set up in a in a certain shape and, as you say, dominate spaces in a certain way that prevent you from going places with the ball where you can hurt us and instead prevent you, encourage you to take the ball into places where we're more likely to be able to cause a turnover and then we've got the ball and then we can enter settled possession. That's a different way of doing that. Is it? I don't know if it's more defensive or if it's more... Is pragmatic a different word? I'm, I'm not sure. What, what do you think? Let's let's put defence to a side. I think it's more intelligent and I think yeah. it's more confident and the players have more confidence in their own ability to go, well, we'll wait for the right time here. And that goes all the way back to the training ground in terms of Emery really coached into these players the right times to press, the right times to win that ball back and the right places to really put that ball into to therefore score goals. So I think intelligence and confidence, this Villa team now have that confidence. I mean, we've gone on that brilliant run from, you know, under Gerard nearly worryingly being relegated to now being in European competitions and playing good old Hibernian Wahid. Like, you know, that's 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 a nice a nice proposition to have. So I think it goes down to not necessarily let's let's not label it completely as being defensive or offensive. I think a, a byproduct of that is having that confidence and they now have that intelligence to therefore go forth and play these big teams. I mean, Lazio finished runners up in Serie A and we made them look like school children. We literally yeah. did like the way we played. And I think that goes again down to the intelligence and confidence of this team. Those are the two words I really label this. Aston Villa team right now and that's brilliant to see as a fan it is it's the intelligence and a lot of that intelligence is coached as well Unai is coaching them on if you see a situation like this this is what you should do and but I think a lot of that is proactive as well in, in these people talk about these really long analysis meetings I don't I don't personally buy the idea that all of it is just Unai Emery just talking I think a lot of it will be question no. and answer okay you see this situation what would you do based on what we've taught you here it's it's like he's an educator in a lot of ways, you know? I think 
that would be my spec. That's obviously just speculation, but I think a lot of it is him teaching, not just here's the, here's the playbook of what you should do in every situation. Obviously, that's the line of forensic detail he goes to, but also how might you think to react, leaving the players open to exact their own play styles and their own solutions to things because he trusts them. And I think that's what players want as well, is to be able to play football their own way within a framework. And I think Unai's got a really good perception of how footballers work like that. I think you've got to have the right balance in terms of, like you said there, if I was in one of those meetings, and I agree with you, I wouldn't want to be as Aston Villa player, Unai Emery going, you must do this, 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 this and this. I would want Unai Emery to have confidence in my ability to assess the situation and go, well, I would do this. And Emery could then go, okay, well, maybe a little bit more. or go, no, you're on the right path there. Mm-hmm. you got to have, as a manager, that confidence in the footballer's ability because we have a good squad. I mean, mm. again, I do the I do the contrast between Gerard and Emery. Gerard had, a, well, at this point in time, Gerard had a European fighting squad, a, a squad capable of being in these European leagues, which we've now shown under good quality coaching. So, the the you know, the level of players in terms of being high level, it was always there. It's just a matter of coaching them. So I think Emery knows to have confidence in their abilities, but then also being that educator, like you said, to then go, no, you can do this a little bit more and just really hammering at home these different styles of play. So then therefore they can go, right, uh, we can go to this or go to this. And um, yeah, I think that's leading to more success, the, the most success I've seen as a Villa fan. So it's that balance between having confidence in the players and what they can do in those situations where Emery can't be on the sideline and go, no, stop the game. Let's analyse it here. And equally, Emery having those styles mm-hmm. of play ready for the players to go back to in terms of creating a, you know, three points or going fourth in a competition. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I want to I want to bring it back round slightly towards the defensive and attacking binary because I think I think we pretty much covered that. But I just want to recap. Is there is there a line for you? Like, is there a way where managers can be too defensive or too attacking? For example, the example I talked about with like, I think there's a perception of the older English managers. You know, we've had this experience with the likes of Steve Bruce. Are some managers just inherently too negative in their thinking? But, you know, yeah, I know. You go. You go first. I've got things to say, but I'll let you shoot. I think, for me, being totally defensive, again, you go back to the stereotypical Daesh ball, is being, is, ha- is lacking that confidence in terms of the player's ability to, you know, be in those areas and go on one-on-ones and try and shoot and score. I think being defensive is, yeah, really shying away from any possibility to to attack, any possibility to be spontaneous in possession and go forth and score. But the, again, on the other hand, being defensive requires structure and the structure that we've seen in the past regarding, you know, Bruce is being defensive and having these like blocks of four mm-hmm. and then the two at the front and they stay together and they don't move. But then you could argue that Emery has that structure in terms of when Villa retain the ball, they go forth and they do the same thing every single time in terms of going narrow, 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 then wide, jack-in-the-box analogy. So we adopt that defensive... In terms of Emery's play, we adopt that defensive nature in terms of being structured, but he's not totally defensive and he's not totally offensive. He takes little bits from either and creates this really complex style of football that is getting us all victories at the moment. I agree. And I mean... I, what I was going to get around to is I don't think there is such thing as you, you can argue. You can, let's 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 open this debate, right? Every football manager that you know, right, is a salary professional, and we talk about these old English managers, right? They've all got hundreds of games of experience. They've all won things or had achievements to to have that kind of longevity. 
They're salary professionals. They're going to training ground with loads of staff every day. If they if they lose games, people lose their jobs. People are sad. People have problems. They have problems. Nobody wants to lose, right? People get into football from an early age to compete and to win. So we have. To, I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of just thinking, oh, you know, they don't. Even, they just want to play for a draw. They don't care if they lose. They're going to lose anyway. Who cares? Like people care. People. People will spend their lives working on game plans and on self-improvement to get to the point where they believe, with the tools that they have, which is the crucial one in my view, they can get the best possible result, which is always three points. Because people, or people, it's a competition. People want to win. We're human beings. So I think it's I think an important thing with the whole defensive analogy is we don't get caught up in this rhetoric too much because the most defensive managers you know, they're doing everything they can to win games. Sean Dyche is no for me isn't actually that defensive. Some of his Everton like you know some of his Everton team play good counter attacking football. He is trying to win every game to keep them up because otherwise people will lose their jobs. He he will he will lose his job, you know. So people want to win games. It's just a different way of going about it to an extent. And I think because we're talking about everyone trying to win a game, as you say, if we define defensive managers as managers who are just sitting in and not even bothered about having counter-attacking threat then for me that's not a football manager I don't know any manager who does that so and I think to be defensive as well it's, it's, I think that's the wrong word like I've said time and time again this yeah. episode I think we do think it's the wrong word I think to be defensive if you look at Sean Dyche going to Everton and Everton have had the Antolochis have had all these flamboyant managers of all these different styles of play who've tried to come in implement it and the players have gone like whoa whoa, whoa. We, we, no, no no thank you please mm-hmm. go away Dyche has come in and like, for example if you go to like me with a maths problem I'm terrible at maths if you give me a complex maths problem I'll go whoa, whoa, whoa one second no, stop but with Dyche coming into Everton if you strip that all back and go back to a more simpler structured style of play where we are remain solid but we rely on the wingers in Dwight McNeil and then we cross it into your forwards and you just play like that and you'd be, you know, solid and resolute in terms of barging those opposition players out of the way and you, you, you look at those just a few characteristics to a style of play which the Everton players can go, right, okay, I understand that, I'll do that, then build upon that, then that will lead to success. I think yeah. be, you can't be you can't be defensive always. I think to be defensive is just, for me, a starter in terms of being simple in the way you play and then you can go forth and be more offensive but you can't always be defensive and to be com- no one can be completely defensive anyway I mean that's just that's rubbish as well yeah and also with with how we define defending it's on ball and off ball Unai Emery plays mm. a 6-2-2 sometimes especially in away games like the Tottenham Hotspur one's a really good example when we won 2-0 where the outside midfielders in the 4-4-2 took back in because that, that for me is a case of him trying to achieve numerical superiority in the middle of the box and on the outside to stop the crosses, which gives us the best chance of stopping goals, which for me is just people will say, oh, that's too defensive. But on the flip side, while you might argue it doesn't leave as many players up as other teams, on the flip side, a lot of teams play shapes with five up front now, spread across the top, because they want to have numerical superiority over a back four or at least equality with a back five. So this is the way that Unai Emery can counteract that. So is that, as you say, it's intelligent... And it's not necessarily defensive. The word is pragmatic because pragmatic for me is about having an element of cautiousness which is thought out and educated and deliberated over. It, it, it allocates space for intelligence. I think Unai Emery is a pragmatic manager, but I think he's more, for me, if I was up to my concluding point, for me he's more concerned with control and a pragmatic approach to defending 
based on the tools that he has had at his disposal. So, I don't know. I think all managers are different, but I don't think Unai is a defensive manager. If people, if generally, if people watch Aston Villa games, home and away, let's say they watch a sample size of five games, if they watch those five games and think, oh, Villa are a defensive team here, nah. Villa are not a defensive team. Not at all. What you've got under Unai Emery is, yes, one game he may be defensive against a, well, what you may label as defensive or pragmatic against a Manchester City because Manchester yeah. City have Erling Buddy Haaland who scored multiple, multiple goals and is an absolute robot in this league in terms of just scoring and putting away goals. So, yeah, therefore, you may need to be defensive or cautious or pragmatic in terms of, yeah, just withholding that and then finding that right opportunity and that timing to then go forth and score. Or, and no offence to your Lutons or Sheffield United in those games, you don't necessarily have to be pragmatic or defensive. You then can just go forth and just pressurise them because you know the, the level and the quality of talent they have is going to be less than Villa because they've spent less time in the Premier League and they've just come up from the Championship, which now the you know, the gap between the Championship and the Premier League is widening every year. So the, the things to come away from this conversation is Unai Emery, I don't think you can label him as anything. I think he's adapts his side to any situation, mm-hmm. any game, which makes him in the top five, three, two managers in the Premier League. He's really up there. And I think that he will, in a few years' time, in my opinion, I think he'll have success here and he'll go away and he'll find a top-level job because he deserves it. I know we don't, I don't want him to do that, but he is. we are so lucky to have him. He's so nuanced, he's so complex in his thinking and he hammers that home into the Villa players from what I've seen in terms of comments on the players and those around the club day after day after day. And that is positive and that will get us wins and hopefully this season, potentially, fingers crossed, trophies as well. We want trophies. So that style of play will get us there, I believe. I agree with you completely. I think I think you spoke very well, Unai there. He's a top level manager. We're lucky to have him. The job that he's done has been unbelievable. The fit that he's had here with Villa is perfect. The facilities that we provided him with, with Bodymore, with the squad, with the money, with the staff, the Montries and the Vidiganis of this world. He is top dog there. And that's no secret. And while I hope that he sticks around, as you say. In a couple of years' time, it wouldn't surprise me if a Real Madrid, a uh, not maybe not Barcelona, an Atletico Madrid or a Spanish national team looked at him and went, "I think he's earned a shot." So I don't know. I don't. I don't want to end this episode on a down particularly, but I don't think they'd be doing that if he was a defensive manager. You know, no, not at all. I think it's you're discrediting Unai Emery's talent to say he is just defensive or just offensive. Yeah. Like I said, if you to end this conversation on any comment, it'd be that he's so complex. He's thinking. And he adopts these multiple styles and that gets results and results means points yeah. and points means going to the mm-hmm. table and bloody Champions League back on our horizon soon. I, I'm saying that, I'm putting it out here now, top four. Oh, top I, four. I'm sorry, I, I really, yeah, okay, hang on, we need, to, we need to talk about this for a second. You think top four this season? I actually do think top four. I think we will be the well, wow. not a surprise package because a lot of outlets you've seen, like a load of fan channels, a load of like sport outlets are saying that Villa are the ones to watch and I'm putting it out there and I might even put money on it. Villa top four, 100%. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do a podcast about this. I don't know whether to go more in depth, but can you just give you a little brief? Like, what is your top five? Because, okay, wow. let's do top, what's your top six? What's your top six? Because I have Villa in the fifth, sixth region, but I do think it depends on how we get on in our other, other competitions. Well, Man City obviously winning the league. Yeah. I know that people are going to, argue with what I'm saying because the top dogs are spending loads of money because Brighton, Newcastle, Villa have absolutely 
you know, come into that area and they're like, no, no, no go away. We're going to spend more money to try and get away from you all. But so that, that there's going to obviously be more competition, increased competition. But Man City first. But yeah. Well, uh, mm, Arsenal. Yeah, I think Arsenal have got increased squad depth. I think Arsenal. Okay, so then you got you got let's let's you got Man United yeah. in there. So you got you, your top three was that City, Arsenal, United. Mm-hmm. Then you're having Villa, and yep. then and then who you have in fifth and sixth? Is it Chelsea, and Liverpool, or is there Newcastle in there? I'm going Liverpool fifth. Then then mm, then Chelsea. Then Chelsea. And wow, then, okay. you can, then you can have your Newcastle. I'm putting it out there. So come you back think, to this. Come back to so this. you think Villa are finishing above Liverpool this season? <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. Call wow. me call me all the names under the sun. I'm putting it out there. I rate your optimism. I rate your optimism, man. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll probably talk about... We might talk about predictions and talk about stuff like that in, a, in another podcast, potentially. We'll have to sort one out. But I think it's quite bold. And that's bold. I like it. It's bold. I mean, it's very easy when you're talking among Villa fans to be like, yeah, 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 we're going to do this. Because then, like, I talk to my mates who support the teams, I'm like, yeah, you know, we'll finish top six or something. And then I talk to Villa and I'm like, we're getting Champions League, winning the Conference <laughs> yeah, yeah, League, yeah, yeah. we're going to Wembley, you know, all of these things. So, I don't know. We will see. But, yeah, you know, for a first podcast, that was really fun. I think, yeah, for a first podcast, was really fun. So, thank you all very much for joining us. Thanks for listening, obviously. Social media platforms, we've got... Um, I'm not sure how much content from this podcast is going to go on these platforms. We're just going to, we're sorting everything out at the moment still in terms of what we're posting where and all these kinds of things. But not another Villa pod on Instagram. Not another Villa pod on threads. At AVFC pod on Twitter is the main one. So keep an eye on that. We're quite active on there. And then we might be opening up stuff on TikTok as well. Just trying to post the short clips. You know, keep things short and sweet. On YouTube as well will be not another Villa podcast for your clips and your YouTube shorts. So give us a follow, check it out. Uh, obviously, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, run it up. You know the drill. Um, we appreciate all the support. You know, the it's really nice to see some of the metric support that we had on Twitter from other creators uh, in the Villa space, and obviously from all the fans as well. So thank you all very much, and for those of you who made it through the rest of the podcast as well, thank you very much. Any thoughts on this in the comments on Twitter thread? That's where you want to be chatting with us. On we'll be active on there. The two of us run the account, keeping the conversation lively. And anything you might want us to talk about in a future podcast, anything you think we could have missed, let us know. And obviously, just if you could share it around people that you know as well, that'd be lovely. But thank you very much. Liam, any words? Villa top four. Villa top four. Villa top four. Villa top four. We're saying this on Monday. Sunday morning, we'll see if that's still the same energy. (laughs) I'm putting it into the atmosphere. If I say it too many times, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not getting drawn into this. I'm not getting drawn into it. No, thank come you all very me. much for come joining. It. Yeah, come he's, he's saying, come, Everyone, we, come at me. That, drive some interactions if you all want to call Liam mental for having us <laughs> top four. However, I don't think a lot of Villa fans will. It's the other fans that I'm worried about. But they don't listen to this, so it's all right. Anyway, yeah, thank you all very much for joining us. We'll see you all soon. Uh, not sure when, not sure what. We'll be, we'll be back before you know it. Don't worry about that. Thank you very much for joining us and see you in another one. Bye-bye.